Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Good gardening, folks. And where in the world are we? Well, we are live and lively. And where in the world are we? We are in the World Outdoor Emporium West which is just north of Highway 70 on 61 Granville Drive. So watch out, though, if you're coming and you're heading north on 61, there's a sign that will say Granville Drive next left, and that left is very fast. So just be cautious when you come out here, and you do want to come out here. This is a fantastic place. You wouldn't believe it. If you've never been here before or if you have been here before, it is unbelievable 16 acres of plant material of rocks of who knows what else i mean so many different things and 16 acres you say well i don't want to walk around all that distance and everything else well they actually have golf carts for you to use so you can go and check out whatever kind of rock you like whatever kind of patio you like whatever kind of water feature you like whatever perennials annuals trees shrubs doesn't matter they got it here so uh, I'll tell you what, it is absolutely fantastic. So remember, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you being here. And uh, remember, healthy plants take work, timing, and information. So if you have any questions about your landscape, your yard, or anything else, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The true brains behind this live and lively broadcast this week Greg is in studio, and Mike is here as a remote engineer. So, consequently, all I do is throw out the adjectives. They make sure that you can hear my adjectives. By the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been doing the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations, and I also write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. So, uh, Wow. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do what I call a walk and talk, which is, you know, answer questions that you may have problem-wise, aesthetic-wise, and everything else. Also, I will keep my eyes open for anything that I think could be impacted. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I don't have a cough button here. Huh? Where's my cough button? Anyway, if you have any questions, or I'll keep my eyes open for anything that may have an impact on your landscape. So, the Good Gardening Stroll... Is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Uh, the gray sky, as I pulled in on Granville, is that right? Granville Drive. Uh, boy, the place was just, it was like a beehive, only it was well orchestrated. And you see pavers, and you see demonstration patios, and you see outdoor kitchens. You see urns, you see pots, you see plant material as far as the distance, as you can see. There's things like black lace elderberry. The signage says and lets you know this area is boxwood. Over here, there's some Rosa Sharon blooming. There's a whole building full of fountain and water features right over there, and each with a unique sound. And 
down in the valley, there's bird bass, and there's a sign that says annuals and perennials and more trees to the left. There's maroon foliage, there's weeping trees, there's evergreen trees. There's pieces of sod laid out waiting to be adopted by you and your landscape. They have B&B trees. They have containerized trees. Oh, what was that? I just some great fragrance. I couldn't exactly figure out what it was that was causing the fragrance at this one spot where I was standing. They also have a lot of signage that says these plants are very good for soggy soil. So if you have poor drainage, this would be a place to come. There's a herd of goats here. Now they are pinned up on the top of the hill down by the annuals and perennials. But there's gazing balls, there's retaining walls, and the annuals, guess what? 50% off. So get out here. I actually picked up a few things myself. I picked up a couple Rex begonias and a few things like that. Actually, uh, a sweet potato vine because Tracy likes them a lot. We got several, but I wanted to get one to just put outside the bedroom window. And they have oleanders. They have geraniums. They have ornamental grasses that are perennials. They have coleus. They have blooming perennials. All different kinds of textures, shapes, colors, and forms. Hostas to delight and ferns as well. Today is Ponderama. Ponderama is a, a big event, an annual event done by the St. Louis Water Garden Society. And World Outdoor Emporium West is part of that. So everything you need to know about your an outdoor water feature that you may consider. They have contractors on site about building. So they're gonna, you're not going to just sort of like, uh, let's see, what do I need? How's this going to work? And this is just, I mean, a stop and shop destination for anything and everything in the outdoors. As I said before, trees, shrubs, perennials, annuals, mulch, rocks. They have two locations, one in St. Charles and then this one that's here in Wentzville. And it's just unbelievable. Retaining walls, edging, decorative gravel, natural stones. It's just fully stocked. It's just unbelievable. Just plan on coming out, spending the, you know several hours, and that way you can get a really good look at all the different varieties of plant material. And the plant material is well taken care of. That's a nice thing too. So, if you got, if you want a little bit more information before you head out, you can visit them online at WOE. So, in other words, World Outdoor Emporium. Rocks R O C K S. So, great place, fun. Give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Mike Miller, I'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Talk right on to this. Yes, folks, as you remember, last Sunday was Father's Day, and I kind of messed up a little bit on Father's Day. Here's a little story about Tracy, my wife, and me. Tracy, I met her father before I ever met her. I played badminton, competitive badminton, but I wasn't very good. So I played in this club that met in Clayton, and Tracy's father was a badminton player as well. He took me off to the side, and he spent some time with me to make me a better badminton player. I finally gave up badminton because I wasn't all that good and stayed with volleyball entirely. But that just goes to show you, I met Tracy's father before I ever even met her. So you don't know where life is going to take you. So anyway, Tracy's father, happy Father's Day. He's no longer with us, but it was a great time. And joining me right now is Anthony. Anthony, your staff member here. Good morning, yes. Good morning. And what do you, what's your specialty here at World Outdoor Emporium West? I do a lot of the water features, fountains, bubbling bowlers, all of that stuff. Waterfalls. What's, 
So bubbling boulders, that mean boulders that are bubbling up in the air? Yeah, so we have over 60 bubbling boulders that are all pre-drilled, ready to go. Uh, they range from limestone, sandstone, we got some granite. Uh, they probably start at about 50 pounds, go all the way up to 3,500 pounds. Some of them have one hole, two holes, three holes. And you uh, guys drill the holes yourself, correct? We do, we do. And we so also- So you can customize it for you know whatever somebody may want. That's right, yep. Okay. Great. And all the way from the small homeowner to a large contractor. Like I said, some of them even go up to 3,500 pounds. So commercial sites as well? Yes. So residential and commercial both. And you've been here, you said, for three years? That's right. And then prior to that, what's your expertise? Uh, so I was in landscape construction, uh, mostly hardscapes. Uh, did a lot of retaining walls, custom kitchens, outdoor patios, um, outdoor kitchens, stuff like that. And you're an expert, I can tell. Because when I was coming up out of the valley with the plant material that I happened to buy, I saw you were really getting a fountain really leveled. So it's got to be exact. That's or else a new it... one we just got last week. That's oh, right. Really? Just set it up today. So it just goes to show you nothing teaches like practical in the field experience. Well, Anthony, thanks a lot. And, you know, if people want to talk to you directly, is that great? Absolutely. Or can they talk to somebody else? Yeah, we do have a few other people on staff that are with the fountains and the bubbling boulders. So pretty much seven days a week, you can come up and talk to somebody about the water features, bubbling boulders, waterfalls, all that. Perfect. I love water features. I actually have two at my house. Now, they're not quite as elaborate as the ones you have here, but the sound of water, to me, you cannot beat it. So. Yeah, it really brings the landscape to life. Absolutely. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you. Let's go to the phones now. Let's go and start off in Breeze, Illinois. And Janet, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good. Good. I have a question about my landscape. I'm putting in new landscape, and I put the um, weed barrier landscape material down. And I started yesterday, and I was going to finish it off today, and I thought, I just want to see how quickly the water goes through it. So I poured water on it. And after a half hour, the water's still sitting on top. So I'm wondering if I have the wrong material. It's kind of got like a felt backing, and the top is black woven plastic. Yeah, that doesn't sound right because, I mean, if it's true landscape fabric, the water should penetrate it not quite like if there was nothing there, but it should get through there just in a few seconds. So I would not use that. And understand with those weed barriers, too, weed barriers... Do not, you know, protect, even regardless of the type, do not prevent plant material from coming in and seeds landing on top of it and then germinating and rooting the, down through it. It does right. prevent, you know, weeds from coming up from the bottom, the underside. Yeah. So I've already put it down over my shrubs and I have about a ton of rocks spread over it. Ooh. And I was going to get another ton today. So I'm wondering, can I just cut out a big hole around the shrub itself? Or, you know, it's up against my foundation, though, and I want it to be able to get moisture as well. So do I need to remove sure. it all? I would say, if, if I was you, I would say you should not use it, what you have. You should okay. get rid of it and start all over again. I know it's a lot of heartache and everything hmm. else, but that's just my opinion. Of course, it's your home. You can certainly yeah. do anything that you choose. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's a, you know, an unfortunate thing. And that's the kind of thing when you're buying a product that you're not familiar with, those are the kind of questions that you know everybody should be asking. How is this going to work, what it's going to do, and everything else. So from Breeze, Illinois, we're headed to Fenton, and we're going into Ted's yard. Hi, Ted. Hey, Mike. How are you this morning? Hey, very good. Um, 
I've got a Chinese maple or Japanese maple. I'm sorry. Um, that looked to me like it had like it had died. Uh, I've had it in the ground probably three years. And uh, however, there's some uh, uh, what branches and stuff growing at ground level up, but right. the top part is dead. Can I cut the top part off, or should I? Um, and how would I keep it from having multiple trunks instead of just one trunk? <laughs> Uh, well, first of all, wait until there's a full moon and then dance under the full moon because you've got a really wild scenario here. What's happened? Is this one of the, let's say, the fine textured Japanese maples? So, in other uh, words, that's one that's kind of like an umbrella shape? Uh, no, it's more of a tree shape, and I was okay. just trimming the lower branches to kind of keep it um, more top-heavy with a long right. trunk. Yeah, what's happened is the, the above-ground growth is dead, so you might as well cut that off. If it hasn't leafed out by now, even if underneath the bark it's still green, that doesn't really matter at all. So okay. just get rid of that. And then what you're having coming off the root system is sort of a survivability thing by the tree saying, I need to do this or else I'm dead for sure in the entire right. root system and everything else. So I would just leave all the stems that are coming up for as long as you possibly can. And the reason why I'm saying that is because it's root systems uptake nutrients and moisture. They send those nutrients and moisture up to the leaf. The leaf then uses sunlight to create chlorophyll, and that feeds the whole, you know, the whole tree, basically. The root system, okay. the above-ground growth, and everything else. So if you start you know, pruning off everything, then there, it's going to cause the root system to implode. Then you're going to be back to ground zero and having to get it just a brand-new shrub. Yeah, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to trim them all at one time. But right. over course of a couple years, three, four Absolutely. years— how do I shape that back into uh, a tree with a trunk, or can I? <laughs> uh, it's just going to be, uh, go online and look at creating bonsai trees, B-O-N-S-A-I. <laughs> so that's, okay. I mean, you've got a really difficult circumstance, because to get the branching and everything else, it is just going to be a laborious thing, but if you don't mind, to, you know, being patient and everything else, you could... You know, it could take multiple years to get back to where you are now before the above-ground growth died. Okay. Same thing with a, uh, with a dead crepe myrtle. Do the, I, I talked to you last week about transplanting a crepe myrtle, and it died, but you wanted the root system may still survive. Should I right. um, cut the top part off that is dead? Yeah, if your above-ground growth has not pushed out any leaves, and I've seen crepe myrtle in full flower already this year, which is a little right, bit premature. I but, uh, yeah, if you don't have any kind of foliage coming off it at all, and are you seeing any stems coming up out of the ground? No, because it's only no. been transplanted for, like, uh, about a month and a half, maybe. Okay, so, and it's still it's going to be a very iffy circumstance. Correct, correct. So I can cut all the, the dead stuff off the top, and it's not right. going to affect that root, root system. Not at all. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. Yep. Good luck. And now let's go to, uh, how about Charlie? And Charlie's headed to Chicago. Charlie headed hey. to Chicago. How are you? Mike, good morning. I'm great, thanks. You know great. what? I've got some apple trees, and uh, uh, I've noticed over the past couple of years, I haven't really paid too much attention to them, unfortunately, but 
the tops, they're, they're like where the flowers are, things that the, 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 the leaves are just kind of turning black. It looks like black Q-tips all around the tree. I don't know if it's a, a fungus or what, and I'm not quite sure if it needs to be sprayed. I mean, I get flowers in the spring, which kind of leads me to complacency. And then after the flowers, everything kind of, it, it, like I say, it's just the ends of the branches turns black. Uh, the tree, there are vibrant leaves everywhere else. It's, it's just kind of towards the ends of uh, the branches. Yeah, that's definitely a fungus-type thing. And fungicides, even in general, what they do is they kind of arrest the problem. So I would go ahead and watch temperature-wise and everything else and spray a fungicide you know, probably up until maybe uh, every two weeks until probably mid-July. But next so it's not year, too late now to at least trying to attack the fungus. Right. All you're going to do is you're not going to eradicate it or anything else. You're just going to kind of keep it maybe from getting a little bit worse. That's what you don't want to have happen. So consequently, just spray it, you know, every two weeks up until mid-July. But next year, just as the foliage buds are breaking, start spraying and then spray every two weeks up until mid-July. That way, that should suppress, you know, any, you know, the fungus. But it could take several years to finally get it eradicated entirely off your trees. Fair enough. Thank you very much. Yep. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We will be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Remember, if you're growing herbs, whether you're going to actually use them for cooking or anything else, watch out about overwatering and definitely do not over-fertilize because you're going to get the best aroma, the best taste out of your herbs by more or less stressing them. So in other words, if you're growing in, in pots, you may even consider using like a cactus desert type mix potting soil or potting mix for, you know, to grow them into as opposed to a regular type. You don't have to do that, but that's certainly one way, you know, one approach to take. Other things too, spring flowering, shrubs, trees, and everything else. You got another couple weeks to get them pruned, to get them shaped up and everything else before they start, you know, sort of internally setting the flower buds for next year. So you've got about two months after they flower to get things pruned. So those are things that you can really make you know, a ba major mistake by pruning things you know, out of sequence, by over-fertilizing and over-watering. And speaking of over-watering, that garden hotline guy, that Mike Miller, you know, he got these fancy begonias, and what happened is he left them sit out, and we had downpours of rain, and they got drowned. That stupid guy, I can't believe he did that. Anyway, Bob is an Arnold. Bob, how are you today? Oh, I can't complain, Mike. Couple of questions. Great. Uh, is it too hot to fertilize some zoysia? No, not at all. Yeah, because my front yard is second year for it. Uh, we just had it started last year, and it's uh, kind of looks anemic. I think it's hungry. I didn't get a chance to <laughs> do it this spring. Yeah, you should you should be doing it monthly all the way from let's say as soon as it starts greening up, and all the way up until probably uh, last fertilizing in August. So about five months, uh, you know, five times. Yeah, I was kind of scared that all this heat we had it might be too too much for it. 
Yeah, it shouldn't be. Zoysia is pretty tough. I don't know what type of fertilizer you're using, but if it's a granular type, always remember you got to water it in. Yeah, it's a uh, weed and feed I got some okay. left over in that. But it won't hurt the ice. I broadcast it, so it, it don't pump up on me. Okay, great. All right, one more question. Daylilies. Do I have to let them stem after the flowers all gone, or can I trim them off any time? As soon as the petals drop off the daylilies, you can cut that stem all the way back down to the ground. All right, so it won't hurt a thing, huh? No, not at all. It's nothing like, because of fo- the foliage is still there. The foliage is what builds up the plants for future, enables them to become more, let's say, I don't want to say invasive, but, you know, to colonize. But the stem, the flower stems don't do a thing unless you're trying to get them pollinated and then trying to gather some seeds and something along that line. No, I'm just trying to, as I said, I, they, uh, we got some yellow ones, and they're just not bloomed out, you know, until they shoot up some more shoots. And, uh, right. I, I was wondering about getting rid of the stems. Yeah, get rid of the stems if they have no flowers, no petals on them. All right, one more question, dumb question. What in the world is a knockout rose? Knockout rose is a hybrid rose. It's been around for about 10 years now. It's it's a shrub-type rose. That's what it is. So it's uh, not a hybrid tea. It's not a grandiflora. It's not a floribunda. It's actually a shrub-type rose unpruned they can get fairly good sized they're tough they're durable i grow them in pots a lot of people grow them in the ground and uh, so that's what a knockout rose is all right i guess brad's gone and well let's go to let's go to brad brad how are you today good how are you oh great i have a question i've got two river birch in my yard and the foliage and leaves looks normal towards the bottom, but they look a little thin up on top. Is there something going on there? Probably not. If they uh, overall looks healthy, we have had some really nasty weather in relationship to lots of different kinds of plant material. But if over, how big are they, first of all? Oh, 25, 30 feet. Yeah, so being a little bit sparse on the top, if you've probably had the river birch for quite a while, you know once it starts getting hot in the summertime, they just, you know, drop a few leaves constantly. So you just didn't get good bud set at all as far as the leaves go or the, the buds were set. They were ready to go, but we had those, that cold weather and that could have damaged the buds higher up in the tree because that's where it's going to be the coldest atmosphere, coldest temperatures, as opposed to closer to the ground where your house could protect them and things along that line. Okay, that's good to hear. Then, then I got a vegetable question. I've got uh, th- these small yellow squash and the and cucumbers. They have an unbelievable amount of flowers on them. It looks like the plants could not possibly, you know, hold all those. Should I go in and thin some of those flowers out? You can do that, or you can wait for a fruit set if you want to, and then selectively, you know, just get rid of the fruit. So you can do it either way. If you want to sort of anticipate that they're all going to be pollinated, you know, they're all going to be pollinated and set fruit, that's fine. If you want to wait until you start to see some fruit set and then eliminate, that's up to you. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Great. Thanks, Brad. Now let's go to High Ridge and into Michael's yard. Hi, Michael. Hi. Good morning. How are you, sir? Very good. Good. Um, my question uh, is in regard to knockout roses. 
Um, I've got um, uh, beds in front of my house. Uh, I've got about eight knockout roses that up until this year have been doing fantastic. Um, this year, for some reason, there's some sort of weed that, that is like is choking out the, the roses. And I'm not sure how to get rid of it because I don't want to poison. The, I think some of the roses are already gone, actually. But um, there, uh, is there is there a way to to, uh, to weed these out other than dig them out, or or is there some sort of spray I can spray on them to to kill the weeds, but not the roses? So is this a, a, a weed that looks? Is this a weed that looks like a grass? Is this a weed that looks has a broader leaf than lawn or it's grass a, does? Yeah, it's, it's it, yeah, it's good uh, broad uh, broadleaf type weed. And uh, what makes you think bright, that they're killing the roses? Well, the roses um, look terrible, <laughs> and um, <laughs> <laughs> it's. They're, they're just uh, a couple of them look like they're pretty much dead, and then right. Um, um, a lot of them, uh, a lot of the uh, buds and flowers and stuff on them are are uh, shriveled up. And I've been watering them. I've been putting seven dust on because I noticed some of them look like something's been eating the leaves. How about fertilizer? Uh, uh, have not well. I, I did use a it's a Bayer product uh, that's supposed to fertilize and also um, kill any insects, etc. On, on those, I, and you pour it on the base of the roots of the of the uh, rose, but it doesn't seem to be really doing anything. Right. Basically, you should get a rose food. You should feed your roses. Every time, you know, after each flush. But as far as going back to the weed problem, which that was your main question, is if you can selectively, like, pull the weeds away from the rows, crush them a little bit, and then get, like, a broadleaf weed killer or use Roundup if you want to, and just paint it directly onto the foliage. That's probably the best way to go about doing it. Or if you can separate them from the roses and put like a piece of cardboard between the weeds and the roses, then you can use a spray. But if, you can, if you're not able to do that, then just paint, you know, put, put the herbicide in a container, get a paintbrush, crush the leaves, and then paint right on it right afterwards. And that helps it absorb the plant or the, the weed will absorb much more of the herbicide much quicker. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, most of this is like intertwined in with the with the rose bush itself. So as far as separating it, it would be pretty much uh, impossible to do that. Do it that way. So crush up the the leaves and um, paint the leaves with herbicide. Right. Exactly. And just make sure okay. you don't get any of the herbicide on the roses. And any of the roses that are not looking good, I would say just get rid of them. You know, rather than trying yeah. to nurture them back, but that's up to you. Yeah, that's that. That was my that was my original plan, and I thought, well, maybe I'll ask you because you might have a a miracle cure or something. <laughs> <laughs> if I did, okay. I'd be rich, and I wouldn't be doing this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyway, um, I sure do appreciate your service, and uh, um, thank you so much. I appreciate your advice. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on your show. If you weren't there, I would not be here. So thank you.
And now let's go from Michael's to stay fairly close by and go to South County into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hello. Um, Hi. Two, week, two weeks ago, I had a, a new side put down. And um, I'd like to know, going into winter, what should I do? And I've got another question after that. Going into winter, what should I do? Now, I've been what watering. What kind of side? Uh, fescue. Okay, so fescue. Basically, going into winter, you're going to do a fall feeding on it. And then just make sure, you know, keep watering on a routine basis every few days until you go out and try to lift up a corner of the sod. And then once it it's resists being lifted up, that means the root system is penetrating into the ground. Then that's sort of like uh, a sigh of relief that you can have. But basically just take care of it. You okay, know, don't feed it in the... Okay, it's, oh, already, it's already set. I mean, I can't lift okay. it up. Okay, so that's perfect. No fertilizer during the summertime because it's too hot and you don't want to force growth on a cool season grass like a fescue. So wait until mid to late August, then do probably uh, maybe two, two different fall feedings, maybe three, and uh, depending upon our weather, if it stays warm long enough. So that's what you want to do is hold off on fertilizer until the weather starts, uh, the days start getting shorter, let's put it that way. Okay, and then I got another question. There's a gray-black areas on the There's only a few of them, and they're like a two-by-two, three-by-three area. And if you touch it, this gray-black comes off. Do you know? have any idea what that could be? That's on the blades of, the, of their yeah, lawn? The, yeah, the blades of the grass. You have any, uh, like, wildlife in that area? No, uh-uh. No? Well, to me, it sounds, you know... That sounds like a fungus problem, but it sounds like, you know, it's related to some kind of pets or animals or something that's, you know, causing these particular spots or this location to be t like that, especially if they're just sort of random dots. So it now, sounds if, like a fungus. If you, uh, if I spray it with water, you know, water it, then it comes off. So it's not, it's and, basically just on the grass leaves. It's not, the, the grass, its blades itself are not turning black. It's just something that's on there. So, it, well, it has to get there someplace. Yeah. I don't think there's any UFOs or anything that are dropping anything yeah, under your yard. I eliminated but, that, too. Good. <laughs> but, yeah, there has to be, it has to get there some way. So on the bottom of shoes or something, that some way is getting in onto those various locations. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Thank goodness we got this break with some cool weather. I mean, it was getting to be way too much. I thought, hmm, talk about global change. We are moving south but now we kind of back to normal a little bit. So thank goodness. Evelyn lives in St. Charles. Evelyn, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Very good. I have a maple that I put in about 18 years ago, and it was already, you know, pretty old. It had a good, good root system. And the last five years, leaves have started falling off, mostly started on the south side. And um, I thought it was just my tree, but I saw another tree down the street that's doing the same thing, some kind of a maple. 
and I don't know what's going on with it. It gets plenty of water. I, I even water it extra, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just like sparse they, leaves. Yeah, stop watering. That's not really okay. going to help it at all. So, okay. in essence, you know, the root system has been imploded for whatever reason, weather-wise. You know, is it by the street or is it anything, you know, construction-wise? Do people drive over the top of the root system to compact the soil? Yes. Is there anything no, that's going to impact you? No. Okay. It's in the backyard. Yeah, nothing there. Yeah. So what kind of maple is it? It's a maple that turns yellow in the fall. I really okay, don't so know, it's a but they have been creeped yeah. apart. Yeah, usually a, a maple that turns yellow is going to be a sugar maple. And to be honest with you, I've got three sugar maples as street trees around because we're on a corner. And... Mm -hmm. uh, they don't like it in this part of the country all that much because of the heat and everything oh. else. So one year, one of my three really looked, actually it was last year, really looked thin. I thought, uh-oh, this yeah. thing is headed downhill. Now this year it's recovered. So I didn't do anything. Oh. I just kind of left it alone, let it stabilize. But they just don't like the heat of our summertime. They like it up in Vermont and places like uh. that. Okay. Yeah, this has been about five years, and it's getting less and less leaves, so I guess it's right. time, but I never, didn't think there was any bugs or anything on maple trees. Yeah, okay. there usually isn't. It's gonna. It's probably environmental more so than anything else. And once okay. the roots, once the leaves start reducing the amount of, you know, the numbers that are there, then that really kind of leads to the overall decline if it happens okay. more than a couple years in a row. So it's yeah. kind of on a downhill slide. All righty. Okay. Thank you. Yep. So let's go from St. Charles all the way over to Granite City. It's not that far. And into Sandy's yard. Hi, Sandy. Hi. How are you, Mike? Very good. Good. I have just two quick questions. Have you had any problems with soysha? Have you had anybody call and say they're having problems with that? With what? Soysha grass. Zoysia grass. Yeah. Actually, uh, for... You know, if you haven't been fertilizing, if you haven't detached, those kind of regular routine maintenance and things along that line, and your lawn is older, yes, definitely. There's been people calling in with older lawns that have just not, you know, with the way our weather has been, they've really started to head downhill. And I actually, actually was at a house this past week for a walk and talk. His whole front yard was zoysia, and now it's all clover and weeds and everything else. Mine's just like, it, it, in spots, it's like dead. It's brown, and it looks like it's just the, the ground, not the, like the grass is gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a, some diseases called zoysia decline. There's some insects that could be damaging it at the root system. So I would probably have somebody like Lawn Doctor come out and take a look. I don't know if they come to Granite City. If they don't, then just go ahead and try to find you know, a lawn service and come out and find out what's going on in these spots. Well, I use a lawn service, but, you know, I thought maybe they put something on it that is killing it, you know. But well, hopefully not, yeah. <laughs> especially it, not in spots. No, yeah. It's just, it looks terrible, and usually it's so hardy, you know. Just, right. But mine is old, yeah. And then one so, other, I had some Russian sage put in last summer or last spring. No. And while I like it, I, I'm not sure, they, they didn't really explain how I had to handle that, you know. And I don't know if it's okay for me to trim it back in the fall. And if yeah, it you needs, can, Go ahead. Oh, you can prune it, definitely. 
you know, and it is invasive. So just realize that whatever area you have in, and it's going to keep encroaching and going out further and further from that spot. So you can dig yeah. the, you know, dig the edges away to keep it, you know, smaller if you want to. Okay, but I shouldn't do that now, should I? Wouldn't it hurt it? Yeah, not in the heat of the summertime. Okay, because it's over my sidewalks now. It's on my east side of my house. But should I put up this <laughs> for it so it can climb on those? Well, it's not going to necessarily climb, but you can put something okay. there to kind of push it back off your okay. sidewalk. It's okay. pretty. It's somewhat. It's it's a little bit woody, stiff, but for the most part, you don't have to worry too much about it. But just know that maybe. This is a, a circumstance, rather than having to deal with this every year, maybe transplant it to a location where it doesn't have to, you don't have to worry about sidewalks or anything along that line. Okay, so they probably put it in the wrong place. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, nobody ever plans for maturity. Like, yeah. uh, what, you know, whatever it is, it's like, okay, this looks perfect here right now, but what about when this thing gets bigger? True. Yeah, because I do like it, but it's really taken over my walk. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And I, I'll try to get a hold of the lawn doctor and see if they can help me with my yard. Yeah, I don't know if they, you know, if they come over to Illinois or not. So, okay. But if not, get your lawn service. You're paying these people to get you know, this thing taken care of. Ask them what's going on. And if they can't answer the question, then I would say, hmm, maybe you'd better find another lawn service. All right. Thanks, Sandy. And, wow, that's going to do it for about the first hour of the Garden Hotline. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We will be back after the news, so just get your questions together. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.